two for Tuesday here on North Central Florida's home for rock and roll. It's Rock 104. It's Deep Purple, my woman from Tokyo and space trucking. It's Brad in the afternoon here, taking you home on your drive. You got requests? Get them into us. We'll get it for you. It's two for Tuesday, Rock 104. Something along those lines, maybe. I don't know. Man, A plus. I'm saying. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> because, yeah, in fact, <laughs> you may have noticed it was North Central Florida's home for rock and roll at one point. Yeah. And then they changed it to just North Florida. And Spano, I remember that. Was, was it ever for us, North Central Florida or North Florida or anything? I don't think it was when we were there. Yeah, I don't think so. But yeah. It was, when I started, it was uh, best classics, best 90s rock. Wow. See, yeah. I, yeah. I, all right. So for your listeners, I'm going back to when Marconi was the morning man there. So <laughs> I'm old. So I got, uh, I got stories from back in the day. You took over from, for uh, Red Barber? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Otis was still a teenager at the time. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, been a minute. In fact, rock 104, when it, you know, became AOR was 1983, if I'm not mistaken, because that's the year I was a freshman there. And, uh, having grown up in South Florida, I was, <clears throat> I was hooked on radio and listened to Y100 and she, and all these great stations. So the, fir- oh, yeah. so the first I. thing I did was to find the, the, you know, the local rock station so I could listen to it when, I'm, when I was sure. in Tolbert Hall, uh, right across from the O'Connell Center. And I tuned in to Rock 104, like the first night I was on campus and found it. And uh, I was hooked from the beginning. And uh, <laughs> I can't even tell the story is that I started listening to mostly at nights, the night show. And Sherry Valancey, who you may or may not have on the show at some point, she was doing the night show. And her name, I think it does, I can never remember. She's going to kill me. It was either Sherry Brown or Sherry Davis. And so I'd always listened to her show. And I came up with this thought. I was like, man, I want to get into that station somehow. So I would call, I don't know, every once in a while and say, um, yeah, hi, I'm the, I'm the president of the Sherry Brown uh, fan club. We, we all listen to you here in the, in the Tolbert Hall, and we really <laughs> like your show. And, and I just thought I'd string her along with this thing that, that we had formed this fan club. I feel bad about it now. Sorry, sorry Sherry. And I've since apologized. But, um, and I would always call and make these calls to her. And she's like, well, thanks. Thanks. That's great. And so I said, some point, I was like, well, I think it'd be great if we did a tour of the station. <laughs> and she's like, sure, come on by. And I, I don't even remember when, but it was definitely my freshman year. That doesn't like, sound dangerous great. at all. What's that? That doesn't sound dangerous at all. No, no, but that's... <laughs> that that's the way it was. And so I walked down, you know, it wasn't far. I just walked to the J school and I, and I know the building footprint has changed so much, but back in that day, it was, uh, you know, the brick building had the exterior, um, staircase that kind of came to oh, probably, which is now the middle of where it, it ended. Anyway, there was an, an outside staircase that I, you walk up to the third floor of the inside staircase, knocked on the door and she opened up and she's like, Hey, how you doing? My name's Brad and uh, there's no real fan club. It's just me. And she was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Odd, <laughs> weird. But we kind of became friends after that. And, uh, it wasn't until maybe, uh, yeah, like t- two years later that I actually became a part of the station. So that was kind of the way I started with rock. One Oh four was from the very beginning as a listener. But did you know then that first time going up there that I do want to work here someday and it's just going to take me a couple of years to get here. Or did it just happen that a couple of years later, you're like, you know what? Now's the time I'm going to go in there and see if I can get a job or something. Crazy answer is both because 
my father was in television in South Florida, and that was cool to see him, you know, be a part of the radio world or the TV world. Where, but where, I was I'm always from South Florida too, Brad. Where, uh, what was what station? Yeah, so he was on WTVJ Channel Four. He had his own talk show called Montage for years, and okay. he was he was the host of that, and you know, won plenty of Emmys and all that. But very cool. So I got to see him do that, and that was cool. But I was more into radio. Um, so there was occasions where he would be asked to be a guest on talk shows on like the AM stations like Winds or uh, any of those. And I would go with him just to be able to hang out in the radio stations. Like I'd go wander while he's doing the AM side. I'd go walk over and see um, like I-95, which became Zeta 4 again later on. I'd go uh-huh. hang out in there and see what they're doing. So I always wanted to be in radio from having listened to it, Y100, like I said, and She and 96X and Waxy and all of those great stations. I was like, man, I want to do radio, but it wasn't until, um, one of my fraternity brothers was in the J school Ed Cox. And, and he said, well, I'm, I'm doing a shift there. You need to interview with Harry. And I was like, great. As soon as I can do that, the better. And I think that was like, I don't know, it was probably the end of 84, uh, and interviewed with them. And I remember sitting down very well and, you know, I don't know if it's the same for all students, but he was like, all right. So he started quizzing me on all the programs. All right. Well, what's the name of the show that we have the night times? And I was like, uh, that's Rockline. Uh, that's Gino Michelini who hosts that. And then there's, uh, in the studio, that's Redbeard. And I, I'm, I'm like ripping off all of these answers correctly. He's like, okay. So, you know, the station, I'm like, yeah, I'm a fan. Um, so he was, you know, as we all do, we start in overnights and I was like, yes, I'm in. Yeah. Here I, I go. think, man, my story, I feel like it's so different than everyone's. I did grow up listening to a lot of radio, Y100 and she, I had a she sticker on my, my bedroom window. Yeah, yeah. But when I got to UF, I didn't really have any aspirations of being on the radio. When I first set telecommunications as a major and we had to meet with an advisor, he recommended to me and the other two people that were in there that day that we go and try and volunteer at some of the stations. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I went right from that meeting up to WRUF. And yeah. I said, Hey, I'd like to talk to someone about volunteering. And she yeah. said immediately, why don't you go talk to Harry? Yeah. And I, I went in and sat down and I said, yeah, I just was, wanted to talk about getting some work here, or doing something, anything. Yeah. I really, I had in mind that they would ask me to file paperwork or something. <laughs> and, and he said, why don't you read these cards? And I, I'm really, I, I was just, I think I'm just aloof. And I read the cards and he goes, yeah, okay. I think we. Can. I think he probably did ask me about some bands or something. I, I had, yeah. I've got a good pop culture knowledge, yeah. so I was able to rattle off anything he asked me. Yeah. And uh, and after I read the cards, he goes, okay, yeah, I think we could we could put you on overnights. And I remember saying, to do what? <laughs> and he said, we could put you on air. And I was like, as a DJ? Yeah. And I was just shocked. It was like, but it was a a fun blessing. It was really cool. Yeah. Which. And I, I mean, I've listened to both your shows so far, but at this point, may I be among the first to say, Harry Guscott, thank you. Thank (laughs) you very much for trusting in the process of putting unproven talent on the air again and again and again for years and launching many of us into our careers. So again, thank you, Harry Guscott. Yeah, I I concur. I mean, absolutely. I, I don't know what I would have ended up doing, but I absolutely ended up in TV as a result of having a job at Rock 104 and yeah. AM850. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I just remember riding a bike down in Miami with like the, the, the transistor radio glued to my ear listening to Y100. And I just was always like, 
I, I love radio. I just, maybe I want to go into radio, but I was, it was weird because I was still undecided. I was like a two UF up until the point you had to absolutely declare like two hours away from declaring. And I was like, well, uh, I guess I'm going to, I guess I'm going to do journalism. I guess I'll go to the J school and become a news major, which I was. So I, you know, worked with Tom Krinsky in the newsroom and did that part, but was always more interested in the radio rock side of, you know, being a disc jockey. And, uh, you know, all these years later, I've been fortunate enough to do just that. Yeah. I think we're really, really lucky to have guys like Tom and Harry there that were pushing for all of us. Tom was great. Harry was great too. Yeah. Um, it was just a, what a special opportunity for so many of us. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I, and I I was just, in fact, I was telling my co-host today, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm looking forward to it. And I said at the, you know, kind of given her background, she didn't know. I was like, yeah, it was a college radio station. And she goes, oh, but I was like, but it wasn't a college radio. It was a full hundred thousand watt flamethrower with a sales staff and a tech. I mean, it was the full thing. And she goes, wow. I was like, yeah, it was like you hit the ground running. Yeah. There was no, you know, fumbling and bumbling and stumbling. You were like, you're doing a real show the day you get on. Man, you I'm mentioned sorry. thanking Harry, and he really yeah. molded a lot of talent that went out into the radio industry, uh, and someone on to do some pretty big things like yourself, Brad. Yeah. But I remember uh, there were times where you know I was sitting in a parking lot of a station, ready, uh, you know, to meet the PD for an on-air gig, yeah. and I would call up Rock One. You know, I'd call Harry up, you know, and I'd be like, "Hey, I'm sitting here getting ready to do this interview, you know, and I just want to thank you because." Without yeah. you, I wouldn't be in this position, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he said, who is this? Right. <laughs> Frank call. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a warranty for my car. Thank you. But man, <laughs> no, I grew no. up in South Florida and listening to 94.9 Zeta. And did yeah. you overlap with Castronovo at 104 or was he already gone to she? Yeah. He, he was, I think, just on the way out and uh, certainly knew of him. And we never intersected officially. But my first job out of college was, I said, I'm going to, I remember this well, I, I had my, I had my resume and on my two air checks, it was in, in two pouches. I remember the, the mailbox and everything in Coral Gables. So I was like, okay, I'm sending these out and I'm going to work at one of these stations. If it's the last thing, it, it was she and Zeta 94.9. And I said, one of these is going to work. And it was, I actually got offers from both, but I went to work for Zeta 4. And uh, we did not intersect our time which was interesting. I missed him. It seems like I missed him a few times. What, what um, bands, what bands came through Gainesville when you were there? Were there any that you got to go and do a remote for you get to meet them, anything like that or during your 84, you were there at what? 84 to 85, 85, 84, 86. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically 85 to 87. I mean, we, gosh, we hosted or not hosted, but we, you know, we're giving away tickets to all this stuff. And I remember, we didn't do remotes per se, even then, I don't think for a lot of the bands, like as a freshman, I remember the fix coming through and playing the band shell and, um, we saw others, but my first like big real concert that we got tickets for at the station was I think cheap trick in the O'Connell center. Nice. And <laughs> it's funny because we all went Harry and Bruce Bud and myself and other people. And. I met up with the, the whole band years later in a Sirius XM type thing. And I was like, you guys may not remember this, but I said, you guys were the loudest band I've ever heard in a concert. And I, 
could swear is Rick who said, were we any good? <laughs> I was like, no, you guys rocked. Of course. But I just remember being, it was just, it was so loud in the O'Connell center. Maybe the acoustics weren't the best, but, um, I, you know, we, I think we'd seen a few of Jimmy Buffett and the parrot heads came through, I think. Um, but I don't remember doing remotes for those. I just remember doing remotes for like, you know, comp USA or the waterbed store or, Something less glamorous than that, I think. Sure, when, I, you're, when you were at Gainesville, I mean, it wasn't as built up. Oh, gosh, no. At all. No, no. And that's the right. So I went back for the first time. Uh, it's 2007. So two years ago. Two years ago was <laughs> the first time. It, did you? At all. At all. Because, again, we're. I mean, I could sit and tell stories all day about. Imagine going to school with no smartphone, no internet, no personal computers, I mean, technology, forget it. But even that, even the oak trees, I was like, oh my gosh, these are fully grown trees. They were like little, not saplings, but there was these small trees on the sidewalks and just the whole grown up of the apartments and the food, food choices. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> we had the Rathskeller and the hub and that was about it. Uh, and then you've got, you know, all these kiosks with food. I was like, man, it's, it's so different. What it did, how'd that make you feel? Were you kind of sad that that's how it is now? Or, or is it just like a different place? And there's nothing- yeah, I mean, what are, what are you going to do? I mean, it, yeah. expect the march of time and progress to, you know, right. take things over and you can't go home again. Uh, Tom Wolf says, so yeah, I expected it, but it's still just mind blowing to go. Wow. It's just so the, the J the J school, like I said, it, it pushes all the way out to the sidewalk. It didn't used to be that big. Um, and I'm sure it's uh, the studios alone. I mean, we were still, you know, on the analog pot board with the turntables, CDs. I'm not kidding you. This is how old I'm. CDs were like brand new. I remember when we were making the changeover from albums to CDs. And that was such a big deal. Um, carts. Carts, oh, I yeah. guess. Carts yeah. galore. The, right. So I think I think I told you off air, but I have, a, unfortunately, a great memory. And I can still see the cart wall and where those carts were for like the electric lunch and what color label they had, like uh, black is black and the temptation eyes, grassroots. I mean, just all, I could still see their places on the wall. It's so weird. Yeah. I was very, I was very fortunate. I don't know if that's the right word, but I never had to do anything with carts. I got there in 99, <laughs> not long after they put in uh, a digital system. Oh my god! So never really had to do any carts. Um, I think I might have put some commercials in, into the server from a reel to reel. Yeah. But I got really lucky. And then when I got into TV, I got there right after they digitized there too. So never wow. had to really do anything on quarter, you know, three quarter inch or I, I just I've, I've been really lucky <sighs> wow. that I kept missing those things. So that well, then you wouldn't know the joy of having to cut, you know reel to reel with the china marker and the razor blade and the production studio with getting those edits just right and joel haberly was the production coordinator at the time and uh, yeah and and i mean so when i was doing the morning show boy yeah it would have been so much easier to do things obviously but like there was this one bit i can't remember what the point of it was but there was some rumor that the theme song from the mr ed show had a backwards message in it. I was like, huh? Well, I'm going to go find this out. Somehow we's had, you know, a, a, a record or something with the song. And I went and 
literally between songs like Lori, hang on i'm gonna go in the production studio and try to rewind it recording on reel to reel to try and cut that to then cart it up to then bring it on i mean you can't even i mean it's just all digital now but i'm just like racing against time before you know uh bruce springsteen song ends or whatever it was um and just like that hurried frenetic pace of course now everything's automated that's the other part is like having to pull your carts, having to pull the albums, queuing them all up, putting them back when you're done. I mean, just following the traffic log, pulling the spots. Did, did we record the source news on time? Is it going to air? I mean, just all of that was much more hands-on, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was probably a bit more stressful for you guys than it was for Spano and I. <laughs> so you worked at AM850 and at Rock 104. What were your primary roles, you know, before you left? Everybody starts out on overnights. What else did you do? Yeah. So. Um, eventually I think I did the afternoons. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I did, but I definitely did middays. I did the electric lunch for, it had to have been a year. Probably I did the night show. I did weekends. I did the overnights, definitely mornings with Lori Amos. And I think by the time I graduated, I was on the afternoon show. And this is the reason I know why it was literally my last broadcast, December of 87. It's my last shift. It's my last everything. My, my grandparents and parents were coming into town for the graduation that weekend and they'd never heard me on the radio. And so they're driving up from Miami and they knew it was my last shift. And they're like, they hoped to have been in Gainesville to hear my last break. So I'm saying, well, you know, thanks for my time here and whatever I'm signing off and glad to have been a part of rock 104 and whatever it was. I can't, I can't remember exactly what I said, but you know, thanks for my time here and goodbye. And they were still on the road from Miami, but it just so happens that wherever they were down on the turnpike, they got to perhaps maybe Mount, I don't even remember where it was, Mount Dora. I don't know, but the highest enough point where they are able to catch that exact last break and then static the rest of the way there. That's amazing. (laughs) So I think I was on afternoons by that time is the whole point of that. So, so since then you've, you've done quite a bit and you may recognize Brad's voice if you are a TV watcher because you've done a lot of voice work. You yeah. acted. You still do radio, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, was all of that an aspiration that you had all your life to get into you know, television as well and act? Or is that an opportunity that came after you left UF? Yeah, so um, radio, like I said, as a kid, just was always there. Just I always liked it. I always wanted to be at something with it. But then, so went to Miami, worked at Zeta 4 there for a few years. Then Alan Varnson, who was a Rock 104 uh, guy, also was working at a station in Melbourne. And so then once I left uh, Zeta 4, he and I did the morning show at that as a startup. Um, I worked there for a time, but also at the same time, Orlando was starting to become bigger in terms of production. So I left Melbourne to go work in Orlando at WMMO and it was brand new. And this was when Universal was brand new. And I was like, oh, well, this this should be kind of fun to be a part of this too. So I'd always done acting too in like high school and junior high. I was like, that's fun. So moved to Orlando and was doing the, the theme park shows there, hosting the shows and doing Blues Brothers and all that fun stuff, Ghostbusters. And then they started to do production. And I got on Swamp Thing that was being shot there and got a SAG car. And I was like, well, this is great. (laughs) So after a couple of years in Orlando, I was like, well, 
heck, I want to do this for a career. So I said, well, there's really only two places to go. And I said, I'd rather be poor and warm than poor and cold. So oh, let's go to LA. I knew one person in LA and that was it. My dad's old fraternity brother. And I came to visit him and I said, all right, I'm going to move. And so packed up the car with nothing to my name and just said, I'm going to make it happen somehow, some way. And initially tried to get on the radio, uh, in LA, but you know, obviously a little tougher field. Uh, everyone wanted to be on the radio. So then started to work at universal as a tour guide, uh, started doing the other shows there, then got an agent from a friend, started doing commercials. I, you know, we're making a long story even shorter, but, uh, or longer wound up doing television commercials for years. And that, that got me into then voiceovers of cartoons and video games and where it's to the point of, I have a, a movie coming out on Amazon that I'm the lead in this or in the next two weeks. So oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. What's it I mean, it, 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 look, I I've said this before. If you were to hand me a resume of everything I've done up to this point, and it's not even over yet back in rock one four, I was like, I, I wouldn't believe half of the stuff that's on it. Even yeah. just the radio stations that I've been a part of. I was like, really? Wow. I great. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm grateful for the entire journey. It's a blessing for everything I get to do. And I, yeah, I kind of did want to head in this direction. So to say that I'm able to do what I've wanted to do, man, that's a win. What are sure. some of the parts that you've done or, or voice work or, or whatever that you've enjoyed the most? Oh my gosh. Short answer, all of them. I mean, it's anytime you get to work as an actor, it's, you know, it's, it's huge. I jokingly say, but although not really, it's like, I've been waking up gainfully unemployed for 30 years now. Um, <laughs> and the fact that any jobs come still come along, it's great. But I mean, recognizable stuff. It's like bubble buddy on SpongeBob. I've had kids say, what you were, I grew up watching those shows. Like awesome. Invader Zim and uh, agent trigger on gravity falls and uh, just video games, tons of video. I'm, in fact, I just cut it together a new demo for my website. And I was like, putting all this stuff together of this footage. I'm like, man, I've actually kind of done a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised myself. So, uh, it, it's all been fun. Everything, just voiceovers for film and television. It's like, I'll do the ADR for just an announcer of something. I did key and peel the excessive celebration. That was a fun one. People nice. remember that it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. Uh, this career that I've been in. And I'm, I'm, I, and yet, and still I maintain a daily radio show because I, I couldn't shake radio out of my bloodstream. That's the funny thing. It's a passion, man. It, it is. And so here's the story of that. Uh, and probably everyone's fell asleep by now, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> is that I moved. So I've been in Los Angeles since 92. And after a time I was just like, all right, well, radio's not going to happen. That's fine. And I had been doing other things like, well, this is great too. But it wasn't until I moved to a, a, a new part of uh, Southern California uh, called Simi Valley. Uh, I had moved there. And like when the first week they have this little hometown newspaper and I'm flipping through there and it says new radio station to open in Simi Valley. And I was like, what? That's crazy. I'm just moved here. And wow, they have a new station. I thought, well, maybe this might be the chance or the opportunity to do this. So I, I immediately just found names in the, in the article and phoned up and was like, yeah, I just moved here. Uh, I've been in LA for a while, but I'd love to get back in the radio. And they're like, great. Um, 
and it was a country station. <laughs> I had never worked a minute in country radio in all the years I'd been. It's just, it was, it was rock and roll. Uh, but they said, great, you'll do the, you know, you'll do the night show. I'm like, all right. That learning curve was steep on, uh, on music pretty quickly. But, uh, I, I learned and I was digging the music. And so I started the night show, then the morning guy, uh, and his co-host, he had gone on vacation. And so they said, well, why don't you just fill in? And so I filled in and it was like, ah, is like the part, the clouds parted and just like this show worked. She and I just clicked and the program director was like, um, I think we're going to switch. I think we'll have you and her do the morning show and we'll put him at nights. And so from that, it then became, this is too good. He said, I think we can make this a, a syndicated show. I was like, okay, let's do. So it's been syndicated for going on six years now of doing this show. And we're in, I think, 2021 20, mark, markets right now. But it, that was going back to what you just said. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my blood. It's like, I want to do radio again. And every day, it's still a joy to go in and just do radio, to have fun we're laughing every single day. So I'm like, what's wrong with this? There isn't, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Do you still, before you open that mic up for the first time every morning, get a little nervous or is it just totally second nature by now? <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, no. And here's why. Um, the way our show is done, it's an interesting premise and format, but we're not live live anymore. So we're, we're, we're doing our show in one big chunk, we're sitting down just doing the breaks, all 16 of them back to back to back to back to back. So it's, we open the mic and we don't stop talking until we're done 48 minutes ish later. Yeah. And then I go back in and just cut up those different breaks and it's, yeah, it's a well-oiled machine by now. And it's, uh, it's down to a science, but it's still, it's still interesting. It's still fun. And she and I are both of, of the same mind of like, yeah, what, you know, as long as they keep making uh, cars with radios in them, we'll still be doing this. Um, I know it's different times and they've even suggested stopping making radios and cars. And I'm like, well, we, we still publish the show as a podcast, but, um, it's just, it's, it's still fun. It's still enjoyable. And it's funny how there seemed to be no market for this type of thing 10 years ago. And oh, then yeah. podcast came around and everyone started listening again. It was really kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's what got me hooked was, I don't know if you guys even remember this, but uh, lying on the floor with my dad, listening to, um, CBS radio mystery theater was something he and I would enjoy listening to. And it was just theater of the mind, you know, mystery, E.G. Marshall narrated kind of like, Ooh, that's, it's these weird twilight zone type stories. But I'm just like remembering theater of the mind was so powerful of how you create in your mind. And I was just like, I was hooked. That's what I can, I kind of, think drew me into radio was just the imagination of it all. Last question for you, Brad, yeah. any lessons that you learned at WRUF that you specifically remember gaining that knowledge then that you still apply today? <laughs> it's the same one that my father told me from his years of television, but it's still true. Showing up early is on time. Showing up on time is late. Showing up late, you're fired. <laughs> You have to be there before your shift starts, no matter what. You can't yeah. call in late. There's no traffic. Gee, I got tied up. I understand things happen, but uh, I just, I've always been just super 
cautious about getting somewhere beforehand because I'd never wanted to miss my shift. And that was, you know, that was certainly one of them is, and to just, you know, stick with something. If you enjoy, keep doing it. And, uh, like I said, I, uh, blessings to be able to have done it for this long and, um, for the great memories that I have there. And like I said, I could bore you on and on with everything about it, but, uh, I'm glad to have been a part of rock 104. Where can we see you? Where, what's the movie? I want you to promote it. And yeah. when, where can we, uh, where can we hear your morning show? So the, um, the morning show, let's start there. It's, uh, you could actually just get the podcast from our website, which is ashleybradradio.com. Um, or wherever you get podcasts, search for the Ashley and Brad show. It'll pop up. We've got, I don't know, years of these going back several years. Uh, it's nearing a thousand something episodes. The, uh, the movie is called Rosebud Lane and it comes to Amazon and iTunes February 24th. Um, whenever this airs, it could be close to that date, but, um, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a great little independent film that was shot during, uh, COVID that, uh, it's won several awards, uh, the golden state film festival, lots of film festivals. It's won as best drama. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's a pretty good story. And, you know, I was kind of even worried myself about being the lead in this thing and just cringing. Like, I hope it's not bad. I hope it's not bad. And, uh, seeing it on the big screen, I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this film. It's a, it's a good little story. Um, so it comes out February 24th. And I hope everyone gets a chance to see it. Very good. Thanks, Brad. I really appreciate that. And uh, appreciate you being so generous with your time. Good luck with the movie and we will definitely look for it. And your, your website again was ashleybradradio.com. That's it. That's it. And again, thanks you guys for what you're doing. It's, uh, it, it's great. And I, like I said, the list should be long and never ending of the folks who'll be willing to come on and talk about their days there. But, uh, I appreciate we all have this same connection and thanks I do for too. you guys doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Spano. Yeah, man. No problem. Good talking to you, Brad. Yeah. And, thanks, uh, Spano. Congratulations on everything you've achieved. And yeah, uh, yeah Rock 104, just one, one big fraternity. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> thanks, you guys. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at don'ttapptheglasspodcast at gmail.com.